Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Get Set CISSP podcast. In this episode, I'll continue on some of the laws that we need to understand. So, I'll talk about the international laws around cyber crime, data breaches, US data privacy laws and also the EU GDPR. We'll also look into the OECD guidelines and we'll also talk about the import and export controls for cryptographic algorithms and high computing devices. Also, some transborder data flow laws that we need to understand and we'll end the episode with the PCI DSS compliance. There are a lot of complexities when it comes to dealing with cybercrime on an international level because the internet penetration is beyond the geographical boundaries. Let me explain that with an example. So imagine if I am a hacker sitting in a European city and I decide to hack into a United States bank. Now this would be a little bit of a complex situation because what kind of jurisdiction would this crime fall under and who would be liable to catch me and bring me to the court to serve justice to the people that were affected because of my activities. Well, the short answer to this question is really it depends on what kind of situation are we dealing with and what kind of data breach are we experiencing. When computer crime crosses international boundaries, the complexity of such issues becomes really drastic because of the reason that the countries that are involved in such kind of crimes are having different kind of laws for cybercrime and some of those countries may not even have certain kind of laws around cybercrime to deal with it. Well, apart from this, the other reason could also be that some of the countries may not be very comfortable working each with each other to resolve these cybercrime issues and catch the criminal in, in the first place. For example, if some hacker from North Korea was to attack the systems in the United States, it would be very difficult for both of the countries to work together to resolve this issue and catch the criminal. So this kind of complexity has led to an increased number of cyber crimes because internet is accessible throughout the world and throughout the geographies. Well, as an effort to improve upon this, there have been efforts to standardize the different countries approach to computer crime, but it takes a little bit of a complexity and not all of the countries are comfortable with these kind of standardization because of the kind of legal system, culture and politics that is different from everybody else. Thus, it becomes really difficult task to standardize such computer crime laws around the world. The Council for Europe has a convention on cybercrime which is also known as the Budapest Convention. So, this is one of the first example of an attempt to create a standardized international response to computer crimes and in fact it is one of the first international treaty seeking to address this issue by coordinating with the national laws and improving upon the investigation techniques and international cooperation altogether to address this issue. The convention's objective is also to create a framework which establishes a jurisdiction for the eradication of the accused. And as of April 2021, 68 countries around the world and not just in Europe have signed this treaty to contribute to the global growth of effectiveness in computer crime legislation. So the effort of all of these countries in bringing together the change inspires me to bring the change in myself as well and learn more about information security. Now before we jump into the data privacy laws, I would like to discuss about two terms which describe the private information. The first one is PII or the personally identifiable information 
and the second one is PHI or the protected health information. Any kind of data which can be used to uniquely identify someone is known as personally identifiable information. This could include things like name, email address, nationality, home address, IP address, vehicle registration number, contact information, birthdays, place, gender, etc. Any of these information can alone or in combination be used to uniquely identify someone. That's why it is categorized as the personally identifiable information and it's sensitive for that reason. Another kind of sensitive information is the protected health information or PHI. It is any information in the medical records that can be used to identify an individual. This is usually the information which is created or used in the course of providing healthcare services such as diagnosis, treatments, etc. In other words, PHI is nothing but the personally identifiable information in the medical records including the conversations between doctors, nurses about the treatment and could also include medication. PHI includes billing information of the patients and identifiable information in any health insurance policy records. Another term related to PHI is also EPHI. EPHI is nothing but electronically protected health information which is the information that is created, maintained or transmitted on any of the electronic devices like web, mobile, wearables or any other technology devices like desktops, laptops or any other technology like email, text messages etc. PII and PHI both of the terms are given by the US laws to protect the privacy of an individual. The companies and systems that deal with such kind of information are required to have special controls in place to deal with any kind of data breaches or any kind of vulnerabilities that could hamper this information. Despite our best efforts, there will be times when the information systems can be compromised and the personal information security controls can also be breached. Some common laws around data breaches include California Custom Privacy Act CCPA, Health Information Portability and Accountability Act HIPAA, Health Information Technology for Economic and Critical Health or HITECH, the other one is Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act 1999 and the Economic Espionage Act 1996. The CCPA Act is for the personally identifiable information of the customer. The HIPAA and HITECH Act are for any kind of protected health information the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act is for financial information and the es Economic Espionage Act is for company secrets or company operations. Almost every US state has enacted the legislation that requires the government and the private entities to disclose data breaches involving personally identifiable information or protected health information. The most important one of these is probably the California Customer Privacy Act CCPA which was enacted in 2020. It is the most far-reaching US state law around PII but it is not certainly the only one. In almost every case, the personally identifiable information is defined by the states to be the combination of first and last name combined with social security number, driver's license, credit card or debit card, with their security pins or any other personal identifier. Similar to the US data protection laws, there is also the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation or GDPR which was enacted in 2018. GDPR protects the personal data and privacy of the European Union citizens. 
unlike a directive it is a law and has its full weight on all of the 27 member states of the european union and that means that each state does not have to write their own version of this law and all of the organizations working in the european union or dealing with the european union customers knows exactly what to do gdpr has caused a lot of pain around the world to many organizations this is because it has arguably the strictest laws and requirements for data protection and any kind of violation of this law can lead to fines as high as 4% of the global turnover of that organization there are three entities identified under gdpr the first one is the data subject or the person or individual whose data is being used or to be protected the second one is the data controller which is any organization that collects the data of the eu residents the third one is the data processor which is the any organization which would process the data for a data controller the protected privacy data which is recognized under gdpr includes name address any kind of id number any web data like location ip addresses cookies health and generic data biometric data racial and ethnic data political opinions and sexual orientation to ensure any such kind of data is protected gdpr requires most of the data controllers and data processors to formally delegate an individual as a data protection officer the data protection officer or dpo is an internal compliance officer that acts semi independently to ensure that the organization is following the regulation correctly and putting required controls in place to protect this information while dpos are not ultimately responsible for organization's compliance or non-compliance to gdpr in practice they should advise on when and how to conduct the data protection impact assessments continuous monitoring and required records and controls in place to protect the required information The key provisions of GDPR include rights like consent where data controller or data processor cannot use the personally identifiable information or any personal data without explicit consent of the data subject. The second is right to be informed which is the data controller or the data processor must inform the subject about how they are going to use their personal information. The next is right to restrict processing which is data subject can agree to have their data being processed by the controller or can disallow for it to be processed. The next one is the right to be forgotten where a data subject can request their personal data to be permanently deleted and not just being marked as deleted. The last one is data breaches where data controller and the data processor must report the data breach under 72 hours of it happening or coming to their knowledge so i hope now you understand that why there was a little bit of a pain involved in implementing gdpr controls across the organization that deal with the european union customers okay now let's talk about the import and export controls similar to cross border controls on computer crime another complexity comes when organizations are attempting to work with each other from different parts of the world this is because import and export laws could be different in each country every country has its own specifications when it comes to what is allowed inside their border and what is allowed out from their borders 
For example, the Vosinar Agreement that implements controls for export of the conventional arms and dual-use goods and technologies. It is currently made up of 42 countries and lays out the rules on how some items can be exported from one country to another. These items include things like special materials and related equipments, material processing, electronics, computers, telecommunications, information security, lasers, sensors, navigations and avionics, marine, aerospace and propulsion. The main goal of the Vosinar Agreement is to prevent any kind of buildup of military capabilities that could threaten the regional or international security and stability. So every country is keeping an eye out for every other country's weapons and technology and the idea is to try to make sure that everyone has similar offensive and defensive military capabilities with the hope that we won't end up blowing each other up. Apart from the products and technologies, the much more common asset is actually data which flows from one country to another country. As you might imagine, at this point, there are laws, regulations and processes that address what data can be moved where, when, why, how and by whom. A transborder data flow is a movement of machine-readable data across political boundaries such as countries' borders. In today's world, it is very common that the data might be originating from one country and being stored in another country and processed in a different country. This is a very common practice for modern web applications and different internet organizations. But some of the governments can control this transborder data flow by enacting data localization laws. The data localization laws require a certain type of data to be stored and processed within the borders of their own country. The best example of this can be seen with the cloud computing companies that provide cloud computing services across the globe have different locations of their servers in every country possible. This is because those countries require data localization of certain kinds of data like financial information, personally identifiable information or any kind of other sensitive information or any other protected information. Talking about the financial information, there is one standard that we need to keep in mind which is Payment Card Industry Data Security Standard or PCI DSS. It is not a law, rather it is an information security standard which is agreed upon by major payment card companies like Visa, Mastercard, American Express, etc. It is applicable to any organization that could process, transmit or store any kind of payment card related data and whether the organization handles one transaction or millions of transactions, they should still follow this payment card industry data security standard. The requirements set forth by the PCI Security Council are both operational and technical in nature. The core focus of these rules is to protect the cardholder's data. These rules include things like installing and maintaining a firewall, changing the default system passwords and other security parameters, encrypt the transmission of cardholder data across open and public networks, etc. We have covered majority topics of domain 1 of the CISSP and we are close to completing this domain. I'll be covering some more topics in the coming episodes to complete this domain and wrap up with it and move to the next domain. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, do share it with your colleagues and your friends and family and do let me know how you feel about this.